0: We love justice, don't we? We love justice. Let me explain what I mean. Like, have you ever seen those dumb criminal stories? Like videos, you heard it on the radio or whatever. Like the other day I heard a story about this guy who uh, he decided he was gonna break into a bar and he was gonna rob this bar. And so he waits till the bar closes. He breaks in after hours. He's gonna go rob the register, but he's like, well, while I'm in here, free drinks. So he has a drink on the house, okay? And then he's like, I'll have another. And he has another, and he has another, and he has another. And I don't know how many he had, but then he's like, "Okay, okay, they got to rob this place." And so he goes to the register, and he robs the register, and then he passes out and falls asleep. The next morning, the owners find him sleeping at the counter. <laughs> and uh yeah, Idiot! Like, if you're going to rob the place, at least do it smart. Right? You know, it's like these dumb things. And we love justice. We're like, ha, ha. And we we laugh at that guy. Here's another one. And you can, if you want to entertain yourself, just Google dumb criminal stories. There's like all kinds of them. Another one that I I read was about this guy. I'm not sure exactly where this happened. But it's back in around 2012 when we were really fighting worldwide. We were fighting like terrorism. And there were these little cells of groups that were doing crazy, scary things all over the place. And uh, so there was this one city and this organization was terrorizing that area and there was a wanted poster for some of the, you know, the, the, the high-priced criminals that were there, and they were part of this terrorist organization. Well, low on the totem pole of that organization was this one guy, and there was a $100, like, uh, prize, if you could, like, a reward, if you could turn him in or give information about where he was. Well, he saw the poster, and he was like, 100 bucks? He turned himself in, and they arrested him, and he was like, wait, 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 I thought I was going to get $100, and you're like, Come on. You didn't get, I love this quote from the the official statement from the authorities said, we are at a loss to understand this man's actions. Clearly, he is an imbecile. <laughs> So, and you're like, yes, justice, you know, because we love it when the bad guy gets his just dessert or whatever. We love it. And even if it's not like illegal stuff, even simple stuff, like I saw a video the other day, this guy was walking down like a sidewalk in a big city and he just pushes this guy down and the guy falls, you know, and it could have hurt himself or whatever, but he wasn't looking where he was going. So he immediately runs right into a telephone pole and knocks himself out cold right there on the sidewalk. And you're like, yep, you had that coming. We love justice. We like seeing when people get what they deserve. We especially like it when the bad guys get what they deserve. We don't like it when people don't get what they deserve, do we? We see them like, man, they should get punished. This should happen to them. Now, that's built into us. And, and, and there's some goodness to that. It's hashtag America and all that. You know, it's It's who we are. But it actually stands in conflict with some things that we see in God's word. God... God does issue justice, but when he's instructing us how we treat other people, there's a passage that really jumps out, and it's, it's like some people's favorite like life verse. In the book of Micah, verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 8, it says, God has showed you what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, yes, but to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So we love justice, but God wants us to love mercy. It says to act justly. That means to do right. We should do good things, and there is a place for justice we're going to talk about in just a minute. But when it comes to what we love and how it shapes our heart in relation to other people who may have hurt us, God's instructions are that we love Mercy and that's a hard concept to wrestle with. We've been in this teaching series called Lost Arts and we've been looking at a lot of these kind of concepts that are difficult to kind of, you know, process and to live out. And that's what this whole life is about as we're as we, those of you who call yourself a Christian and you've you know accepted the forgiveness of God and you're like I'm going to live for Jesus. I think we would all recognize also that it's not always easy to do the things God calls us to do, but it, it is best. It's rewarding. And so we've talked a lot about these concepts, like in the first week we talked about the the lost art of patience. Uh, The lost arts, by the way, are things that like God values, character traits, and and, and values that he says he puts a high stake in, but we as humans often don't, and so we're calling those lost arts and we want to reclaim them. And so the first week we talked about patience, and that's a difficult thing to do, but God gives us the means to be patient. We talked about purity. Purity is not high on the list of priorities for the world that we live in. But God calls us to holiness. Last week we talked about faithfulness. But not just faithfulness to your fav- favorite sports team or your best friend. Faithfulness to God. That also is difficult. But there's a way to do it. This week I said that we love justice. But God wants us to love mercy. And our lost art, are you ready for this? I've been ripping it off like a band-aid. It's the lost art of forgiveness. Some people have called it the F word. Forgiveness. Nobody likes To forgive other people. Because if you step on my toe, I want to kick you in the shins. Like, that's how we instantly want to react. But God says, I want you to love mercy. And so this series has been full of some challenging ideas. But we always love to look to God's word, to the Bible, for answers to life's most important questions. And to see God's most important truths. And so we're going to be looking in a couple places this morning. If you got your Bible on your phone to scroll down, or if you've got a hard paper Bible, uh, look it up. We're going to be in Romans today for a little while. Romans chapter 12. Uh, Romans is in the New Testament of the Bible. So this is the section of the Bible, kind of the last third of our English Bibles, that's about the church and Jesus's life. And in the book of Romans, we've got the apostle Paul. And Paul is writing a letter to the Christians who live in Rome, And so there's a lot of instruction. I love, we did a whole teaching series through the entire book of Romans like two years ago. I'd encourage you to go check it out. It, it's kind of like lifting up the hood of Christianity and seeing the engine and how it works. Like it's the gears of, of our faith. So Romans is good for a lot of things. And in Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 17, Paul says this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Let's let that sink in because that's, that's what we want to do. You step on my toes, I want to kick you in the shins. But he says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everybody. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, I I want to clarify, like, He's talking about our enemy, not just people that were like a little bit mean to us, but people who were like stand against us. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, I love this old school phrase, and you can, we're not going to dive into it much, but you can, it's a good phrase. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on their head. One time, uh, I was, there was a kid picking on me in kindergarten, and I went home and told my grandma about it. She said, well, you need to heap burning coals on his head. I was like, that sounds fantastic. Like, <laughs> let's do that. So that, that's, we won't even study that. I wish we had time. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the point. We want to overcome evil with good. We tend to love justice, but God wants us to learn to love mercy. And to do so, we got to forgive. But why? Like, why is that? Well, we love justice. We love to use it like a big old rock to stamp out all the you know, bugs and slugs in the world that get under our skin. Uh, but we don't understand that when we take that authority to stomp out evil ourselves, it takes a toll on us that will hurt us. Because it's not within our grasp. It's not within our authority or our power to deal with evil. That's not, we ourselves have evil. <laughs> we sin and we're not perfect, right? And so when we do that, it can actually damage us. Many times, even when justice is served and you got the kick in the shins that you were hoping for, you still carry a weight with you. You got to see what happened happen. You got to see justice served, but you're still like, I don't feel better. When we don't forgive, it leaves a bitterness growing inside of us. And that bitterness is far more damaging to us than, than our kick in the shins is to the person who offended us it begins to hurt us which is part of god's reason for saying don't repay evil for evil because it's not going to help you but that's really hard isn't it because i want to pay evil for evil when someone does me wrong most of us we have this video loop that plays in our mind and over and over we are we relive that moment we we relive the moment and that video loop causes a growing burning inside of our soul, you know, and and it leads to anger or remorse or fear or strong emotions that can hold us captive. Because when we love justice instead of mercy, we're led to seek revenge instead of giving forgiveness. And revenge will never pay the bills. It will never heal you and it's not just anger that that's a common emotion that happens when we have this you know video loop playing in our head doctors have proven that a, a failure to forgive leads to all kinds of problems one of them is health problems I mean, it leads to anxiety, it leads to depression, it can lead to high blood pressure. Like, that's a physiological thing that happens in your body. It can lead to decreased immunity. There's, there's things that happen when we just hold this stuff in, it begins to break us down. A counselor and an author that I love to quote when it comes to this topic is a guy named Steven Arterburn, and he says, unresolved anger locks us in a time machine. Listen to that. Unresolved anger locks us in a time machine, frozen on the exact moment when that particular offense occurred. Why? Because I'm playing the video loop over and over. I keep living it over and over. We just can't let it go. So it holds us captive. And not only does it lead to health problems, it can lead to all kinds of problems, including relationship problems. Anyone who represents a similar threat to the person who hurt me, you remind me too much of them, so... There's issues. It also leads to spiritual problems. Arterburn goes on to say that when we fail to forgive, we begin to alienate ourselves from God. Because the biggest gift God offers us is forgiveness. He's like, you want it from me, but you're not willing to give it to somebody else? And it creates a discord there. Holding on to that pain, and not understanding the power of healing that comes through forgiveness, it's like it's like shaking up a bottle and leaving the cap on like a soda. Have you ever done that? Or you know, you get home from the grocery store and someone is shaking up. You didn't realize it. My kids are the worst at this. They used to be. They've outgrown it. Like, Dad, can I have some of your drink? They run through the house with it. I'm like, you just ruined my Dr Pepper. Thank you. Like, it, you know, it's like. But uh, there, there's two things that can happen with that bottle. Uh, the first one is you leave the cap on really tight, and what happens? The pressure builds. Now. Physiologically, think how that happens in your body with, with stress and with tension and relational stuff. And it builds that I think psychologists call it repression. It's like holding a, a beach ball under the water at the swimming pool. It's just you're there is pressure, there is tension. You can't hold it there forever. The other option is what they call expression. If you've ever had to let the pressure out of a soda bottle, whether you do it or a psh, like either way, it's coming out. And if you've ever been on the receiving end of someone blowing up, and you're like, "What in the world?" Just I was just saying, I, I was just saying, could I please have a couple catch ups? Uh, maybe you had a bad day, <laughs> but I'm not sure why you just took it out on me. Like that explosion, it's called expression. It blows up. So whether it's repression or expression, there's going to be some sort of pressure built and some sort of reckoning. But God offers us a third option. He says, "Learn to love mercy." And offer forgiveness. If only you could do that in the soda bottle. You know the trick where you can thump the side of the bottle? Have you ever tried that? It works. Like, it just goes away. And the pressure is dealt with, and nobody ends up with Dr. Pepper all over the counter. But forgiveness is not easy. So, like, how? How do I forgive How do we get to a place where I can overcome my love for justice and my need for revenge and instead love mercy and offer forgiveness? Well, first of all, let's just, I mean, if you're more than uh, three years old, you know that it's not easy. It goes against the grain of what we sometimes want to do. You step on my toes, I kick you in the shins. That's how we do things. (laughs) Then you kick me back, and I kick you, and you kick me, and that's just how we get along. It's just how our relationship works. But when we're dysfunctional, it, it affects our relationship with each other, and it reflects our relationship with God. It affects, affects, I don't know which one right now, our relationship with God. Like, when in my house, if my kids are bickering and going back and forth, like, it's not just that my kids are having friction. There's friction in my whole house. I, can't, I still love my kids, but I can't relate with them in the same way right now. There's tension between my wife and I because my kids, you know what I mean? So when we as God's children can't forgive and can't, it causes tension, and that pressure builds, and so we have got to learn forgiveness. And so how? Well, I think, I think it starts with this first thing. I think it starts with understanding that I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. So someone kicked me in the shins or stepped on my toes, but before I react, I need to say, okay, wait, 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 wait. What have I done? What, who have I hurt? And in terms of God, who have I offended? There, there can be a pretty quick shift between loving justice and loving mercy, and I'm going to illustrate it very quickly. I think most of us have experienced this, okay? So you're in your car. I'm driving in my car. I'm on uh, I 40, and I'm headed out of town on I 40. The speed limit's like 70 miles an hour, but I'm driving safe at 75 because for some reason we can get away with that five miles over, you know? But I'm cruising, and I got my radio on. My wind is down because it's a nice day. And then this guy in a Porsche just flies by me he's going 100 miles an hour and I'm like ah, how dare you pass me on the right side you know and I'm like I hope he gets a ticket so later down the road you see him and he's pulled over and there's a police officer and he's standing in his window and he's getting a ticket and, and what let's be honest what's your reaction <laughs> Ha ha! right you got a ticket serves you right you speed demon okay in that moment I love justice turn the table I'm coming back into town. It's 70 miles an hour. I'm driving safe at 75. But you know that spot? It's right before my house, actually. And it drops from 70 to 55. I wasn't paying attention. I'm listening to my podcast or something. Blue lights in my rearview mirror. I'm getting pulled over, and I'm the dummy who was speeding. I don't love justice as much as I used to. When he comes to my window, he's like, you know what, Mr. Woolard, I'm just going to let you off with a warning today. No, sir, I broke the law. Give me a ticket. I love justice. Heck no. I'm like, sir, officer, I was my, my dog is sick, and i got to get home because I left the stove on, and, I was, uh, and my foot's heavy. It's made out of lead, and I can't figure out what to do. And Please, you know, like we're begging for mercy. You see how quickly that shift happened? What's the difference? It's me who messed up. And when I can remember that I myself am often in need of forgiveness, it helps me to be more compassionate and love mercy more often and instead of seeking revenge, to give forgiveness. It's not easy, but that shift of perspective really helps us out. After Hurricane Katrina down in New Orleans, there was a guy named Mark Maurice. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And, uh, and it was, you know, bad flooding down there after Hurricane Katrina. And so after the hurricane and things were settling down, the water was high and was rushing. And there were people in his neighborhood that were, like, stuck on their roofs of their house. And they're stuck in trees. And lo and behold, he looks out into, like, I think, like his street. And floating by is this 18-foot yacht, a pleasure boat. And now you got to understand about Mark Maurice, like, he's not a thief, Uh, But he sees, he puts one-on-one together, and he's like, I'm going to commandeer that boat. (laughs) So he takes the boat. He saves over 200 people, rescues them from roofs and from trees and all kinds of stuff. In fact, after he finished, uh, he handed it to somebody else. He was like, go do good work and save people. And so I don't even know how many people were saved by this boat, but eventually the boat is like lost. I don't know where it is. I don't know if someone just someone did steal it, or I don't know where it is, but it's just gone. Okay, fast forward. After all the chaos, there's another guy. That was Mark Maurice. He was the, the hero. You got another guy, a guy named John Lyons. John Lyons is the guy who owns the yacht. So this is a true story. So after the flooding subsided and everything, he's looking for his boat. He's like, has anybody seen my boat? I can't find my boat. I don't know if he told the police or if it was on the news. Well, Mark Maurice hears about John's loss. He's like, oh, hey, he gets out. Hey, listen, it was me. I, it was, you wouldn't believe it. The flooding, people were on their roofs. I took your yacht. And Mr. Lyons sued Mark Maurice for $12,000. What? Now, I don't know this guy. I'm not just trying to throw him under the bus. I'm trying to make an illustration here. Okay, so maybe he's a good guy. But in the moment, you're like, but people, how would things have been different if maybe Mr. John Lyons was stuck on his roof? I hope somebody steals my boat. (laughs) What if it was his kid stuck in a tree? I bet there wouldn't have been a lawsuit. So that shift in perspective really helps us see what we can begin to do when We have to go through the hard work of learning to forgive. There's a story similar to John and Mark's story. I actually told this story in a series we did over the summer last year, I think it was. So seriously, it was a series called Long Story Short. And we talked through a bunch of parables that Jesus told. And there's one parable that he told. So go check those out if you didn't catch them back then. Uh, there was a story that Jesus told that was so similar, similar to this uh, yacht story. And this is in Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 26. Um, Actually, let me give us some context. Uh, What happens is we've got this guy, this servant, who owes his master a lot of money. The servant owes his master a lot of money, and he can't pay it back. He can't afford it. And so here's what happens. The servant fell on his knees before his master, and he says to the master, please be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Now. This is a guy who was begging for mercy, and he got mercy. He loved mercy. And you guys, this massive debt. Now, it doesn't matter the actual dollar amount, but if you do the math based on the the ancient numbers that are given there, like it's more than this guy would ever be able to pay back. It's a lot of debt. Just imagine it being millions of dollars, and you have to pay it back. Forgiven. Completely forgiven. By the way, forgiveness is, initially it was a financial word. Forgiveness means to forgive or cancel a debt. So honestly, when I think about forgiveness, especially people forgiving me, like I really appreciate that. Understand like, man, imagine owing a lot of money and then someone just paid it off for you or just told you you didn't owe it anymore. I got you covered. Like that's what forgiveness means at its core from a word level. And this man who received so much mercy, the first servant, then he walks out of the door of the the master's house and he bumps into a fellow servant. The fellow servant owed him money. Now, it's very interesting to note that the, the money that the second servant owed the first servant was very like a couple bucks, like a very small amount of money. This guy could have paid it back if he'd have been patient. But look at the different response that this first servant had. He grabbed him. He began to choke him. And he says, pay back what you owed me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me. I will pay you back. Does that look familiar? Like it just happened a few minutes ago with the other guy. But the first servant refused. Instead, he went off. He had that man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. What in the world? It's just like the boat, right? It's like, what? What? What world are we living in here? How could this guy who was just forgiven so much debt, how could he possibly demand it from the other guy? And Jesus is like, if you keep reading, he's like, exactly. (laughs) Because this is a parable. He's making a point. He's saying to me, Chris Willard, he's saying, "How dare you receive so much forgiveness from me? You've sinned against me, your God. You've done things you shouldn't do. I've known you've sinned against other people, and I am willing to forgive you. How dare you go to a fellow human being and hold him by the throat and demand payment? How dare you reject forgiveness? I'm someone who needs mercy." I need forgiveness. And so how dare I hold a grudge against some lady who said something to me 10 years ago that rubbed me the wrong way? How dare you, who have a coworker that just, you know, you didn't hit it off quite right, and it was kind of a jerk to me that day, or that person that cuts you off in traffic and you decide, I have every right to kick them in the shins now. How dare we? And it begins to put in perspective what it looks like to love mercy. Mercy. So where do we begin? How can we actually reclaim the lost art of forgiveness? I mean, my guess is all of us have tried. I mean, from the time you're old enough to talk, your mom or dad or grandma was like, say, I'm sorry, right? And we've tried, but how do we really make big steps in that? Uh, I think there's a couple of things that I can point out that might be helpful. And so here's what I want to call like our first step. The first step, I'm just going to call it um, forgiven people, forgive people. Forgiven people forgive. that's philosophical. Just I didn't make that up. like dig on that for a minute. It's, it's deep. If I can start out by realizing I need forgiveness, first of all, God's word tells us that we've all sinned against God. We're, none of us are perfect, unless you're living in the delusion that you're perfect, and some people are. and so uh, you know, get married or get a roommate, and real quick, you'll find out that you're not. okay? Um, but like, we're in need of forgiveness from other people, from God. And when we've ever received forgiveness, especially if you've really messed up in the past and someone was willing to give you forgiveness, you start to see it from the other side of the table. And you are a forgiven person. I have found that forgiven people are more likely to forgive people. And so maybe it's about like the driving thing, I-40, you're going 75 miles an hour, put yourself in those shoes and be like, hey, I've, I've, I've done this before. I've made mistakes before. Let me be a little more patient with that person. I don't know what that coworker was going through that day. They blew up on me. Maybe they had some repressed stuff going on, and and it exploded all over me, right? And but forgiving people, forgive people. And if you think that offering forgiveness, who's really hurt, to, offering forgiveness to someone who's really hurt is difficult. You're right. If you think that it's impossible, I'm going to surprise you here. I think you might be kind of right. It kind of is impossible to forgive people on our own. Which brings me to my my second thought, is that it's not all up to you. Like, for me, I kind of try to think about it this way. I, I am supposed to forgive people, but really, I don't want to. <laughs> so God offers to kind of forgive them through me. You know, when, when you accept Jesus, when you become a Christian, when you embrace the love of God in your life, and I mean, all that, God's Holy Spirit moves in alongside you. And his divine power is there to help hold your hands and do the things that you can't do. And so maybe a better phrase is, like, I can't, but God can. He's powerful enough to deal with it. You gotta forgive this person. (sighs) Spend some time in prayer. And recognize that God knows that it's hard for you. But he still is asking you to do it. Love mercy. I think of a woman that I knew. I don't know her. I heard her story. She lives in India. Some of you know of a ministry that uh, a lot of us you know, have supported through the years and things called Central India Christian Mission. They do some amazing things in India. Hundreds and thousands of people knowing about the love of Jesus because of the ministry that happened there. But I think of a woman that I heard of that happened in that ministry. Um, her husband was a pastor. And a group of Hindu extremists came by and murdered her husband. They burned down their house and, let me just say, uh, violated her and their children in front of her husband before they killed him. Sick, sick, evil actions. And it was no secret in that village who these people were. You could find them. In fact, they bragged about it. So this woman, when she recovered, she got burned really bad also in the process. When she recovered, she knew exactly who to go after. She knew who had done this, but she didn't love justice. She loved mercy. So she began to, this is insane, this is a real life story. She began to bake bread and cook meals and go to these men in their village uh, market square booth and... Take them the food and give it to them, like I don't know every day, once a week. I don't know how often it was, but she began to feed them, and everyone was like, oh. "There she goes." And I'm I'm just picturing her. I saw a picture of her. She's got bad burns on her face, and so everybody knows who it is. She takes them the food, and then she just walks away, and then she takes them the food, and then she just walks away, and then she takes them the food, and then she just walks away to the point where one of her attackers was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 wait, lady, what are you doing?" We destroyed you. We destroyed your life. We burned down your house. We killed your husband. We hurt your children. Why do you keep bringing us food? This is ridiculous. And she said, now I'm paraphrasing. I don't have an exact quote. But she said to these guys something like this. You killed my husband, but he only wanted to teach our people about the forgiveness of God through Jesus. He lived his life to teach people like you about Jesus. Now, I once believed like you do. In fact, I would have cheered on the things that you did to my family. But I learned about Jesus. And I believe he came to save us all, even you. So I have chosen to continue to live out my husband's mission to teach people like you about the forgiveness of God. Dang. (laughs) This woman lost everything. There is no doubt in my mind that she cried herself to sleep countless nights. I don't know what her financial situation was after that. She lost everything. But she also understood something about God. He loves mercy. Now, I heard this lady's story at a conference. And after we heard the story about her making bread for people and the confrontation with the attackers... We found out that after that, those men eventually went to the woman to ask for her forgiveness, for mercy. They saw in her the actions of Jesus. They realized that they were wrong, and they asked for forgiveness. And so from her, they learned about mercy, but that's not all. She also taught them about Jesus. And those men today are Christians they were baptized in the name of Jesus, and they're Christian leaders in the community. Imagine how many more lives were spared because they weren't being evil anymore because of this lady's willingness to forgive. Do you think it was easy? No. But it was necessary. I need to say this. Offering forgiveness is not saying that what happened was okay. Okay. It was not okay that these guys did this to that lady and her family. It was not okay. It's not okay that someone hurt you or disrespected you or abused you. That is not okay. But forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to seek revenge because it's not my place to seek justice. But what do we do about justice? Like, don't people deserve to be punished when they do bad things? Yeah, they do. They do. Yes. so like if someone breaks a law absolutely there needs to be legal repercussions for that and it's okay for you to be a witness in court or for you to press charges against them it 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 could keep that person from hurting someone else and if someone does something to you that's not illegal maybe it's just dishonest or maybe it was abusive but you know you could never press charges against them well you know what you call them out and you gather with your friends and family and you guys decide like what's an appropriate reaction to this how do we deal with this this isn't about letting evil people be evil that's not what it's about But listen to this. You don't have to continue to be the victim and play that video over in your mind, over and over again. Your heart doesn't have to carry the load anymore. Your health doesn't have to continue to suffer. The other relationships in your life don't have to be damaged. You remember what the passage we read in Romans at the beginning said? He said, leave room for God's wrath. And so ultimately, there is a punishment that needs to happen, and maybe they get out of it here. You know what I mean? Like, that happens. God says, don't worry. I'm going to deal with each of you the way that I see fit. (laughs) They may learn to love Jesus. They may receive grace. And isn't that our goal? Think of how many more people could be spared. We love justice, but God wants us to love mercy. Uh, one more thing about forgiveness before we close out. I said that we need forgiveness from, forgiveness from God. We also need forgiveness from other people. We've all hurt people. I mean, maybe. Some of you are really nice. But you probably have. Uh, Jesus once said that if we go to worship him and then we realize that there is someone that we've hurt that has something against us, that we should actually uh, stop coming to worship in that moment. We should actually like, pick up the phone or drive to their house and we should try to make it right. He's like, don't carry on a charade with me when you haven't made it right with somebody else. The verse that we started with, Micah 6, 8, says, walk humbly. And I think that's part of walking humbly. It's like owning up to our mistakes. Uh, It's not just about people who have wronged me. It's also the fact that realize that I have wronged other people and I've got to make that right. Remember also in Romans chapter 12, he said, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace With everyone. So that's our goal. We need to make it right. So here's a thought. This is just a thought on that point. Today or sometime this week, take some devotional time and write down a couple of names of people that you think you need to call and make it right. Apologize. There's a good chance that we carry a little weight of some things we've done in the past. And you know what? That phone call, that text, that Facebook message could utterly change their day or their life. They might also be like, uh, yeah, forget you. I don't want to hear from you right now. Well, do the best you can. But we need to make it right. And it'll change your life. I can't, but God can. Let me, let me close with this thought. I've heard a, a, a practice of the, the Benedictine monks. Uh, they have this practice in their monasteries where they'll like hear a sermon about forgiveness, kind of like we just talked about. But then they actually go through a physical act that helps them to act out what it means to let go of whatever it is that you're hurting. And so what they do is they'll, they'll say a prayer and they'll, they'll picture in their mind a person that has wronged them, okay? And they'll, they'll grip with their fists like this, both fists. And they'll picture it and they'll pretend like they're holding onto that person. And then they'll stick their hands uh, under water, like in a bowl of water, and they'll pray. And they say, Lord, help me let this go. Help me let this go. And as they're praying, they'll slowly open up their hands and it's an act of releasing it. Sometimes we need that kind of thing in our life. Maybe something that you could do this week to help mend your relationship with other people, to help your health, and most importantly, to mend your relationship with God. Just let it go. I'm going to close this in a prayer, but I'm going to take a moment during that prayer for us to actually do that. And so I want you for a second, if we will all just close our eyes, if you're at home online doing this too, I mean, just take a minute to do this. Forgiveness is a big part, learning to love mercy. Think of a person in your life that you just have a hard time letting it go. Don't continue to be the victim of that. Let God deal with it. Let the legal system deal with it. Let social stuff deal with it, but you don't have to carry it. And I want you to think of that person. I want you to hold that thought in your hands. Put them out in front of you. Grip it tight. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to teach us to Love mercy. To embrace forgiveness. To do our best to move on and heal. Lord, there are people in our room right now who are hurting, and they've been damaged by people, and that's not okay. But you have not left them or forsaken them. Lord, right now we just symbolically release our fists and try our best to let go. Father, we, we ask that you help us to release the grip it's had on our heart and on our life. We thank you most of all, Lord, for Jesus, who has given us forgiveness. And help us to be a people who love mercy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.